Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. We return to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by Digitex. Managed print services to keep your printing costs down? Yeah, Digitex does that. D I G I T E X dot C A on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. Well, this is it. The last dance, the last half hour. Of the last dance before Bob Stoffer comes back from his vacation. Well earned. That was a long stretch for him. Hard at work. We just rattled off 15 shows together, or are about to, as this one comes to a close. Got to tell you that Royal Pizza is pizza, pasta, and so much more. Edmonton owned and operated for over 50 years now. For a menu and a list of their 13 Edmonton and area locations, go online to royalpizza.ca or download the Royal Pizza app from the App Store. The Escott recommendation remains the Texan. Cam likes pepperoni and green pepper. And I am going to, to try. Yes, I I'm going. Thank you. I'm going to try the uh, ham and pineapple with uh, with the jalapeno on the Cody Jansen recommendation. There's a lot of dancing around flavors there, Cody. I'm not sure I about like that it. one. Someone called it the jalapeno Hawaiian, and I might steal that name, but just remember, I invented it. Uh, oh, of course. Well, you better yeah. get a trademark filed because uh, <laughs> if you don't, Royal Pizza will. Uh, probably. As That's they fair. should. As they should. Uh, yeah, so we've got time to talk about, well, frankly, anything that's on your mind as far as the Oilers team goes. So, What's left to settle before the start of the season? Well, we've been talking about what Kyler Yamamoto's contract looks like. If you're still plugging him in as your second-line right winger, and there's some people that are, and there's a lot of people that aren't, that say that he didn't do enough last year to earn a spot on the second-line right wing. They're saying that that run that Kyler Yamamoto had from January to March of 2020 that 26 points in 27 games, that wasn't enough to earn him, first of all, more than about a million and a half dollars. That seems to be where everyone's at with it. And secondly, where do you deploy him? I could see Kyler, is his game fitting in on the third line for sure, but that would mean that Zach Cassian's game would have to take a monumental step forward from where it was at last year. Now, Cassian, I thought, looked pretty good in the playoffs. Yes, he did. The thing about Cassian, as we know, is he looks great in three or four game spells. 
and then you don't always get that consistency. But you didn't from Yamamoto last year either. So that's definitely a point that um, we'll be watching as training camp unfolds to see what the structure of the right side of this Oilers forward group is going to look like. And with the bodies that they have on this team now, does Kyle Turris end up winning a spot maybe on the fourth line? That's a possibility on the wing or at center. Don't write him off. And that's what training camp's for. Mm-hmm. That's what the preseason's for. Coaching staff can can mix and match. Not only are you figuring out which 23 you want to keep, but you're also figuring out where do they fit in. And maybe let's take a look at a certain line combination and see how it looks, or a certain D pairing, see how it looks in the preseason. And if there's something there, then you might try that in the regular season moving forward. Sure. And yeah, they, there's... There's quite a uh, timeline from the start of camp to the start of regular season. There's eight preseason games in there. There's a lot of time to do experimentation with line combos, D pairings, see where guys fit in, mm-hmm. and and see what the summer brought. Yeah. Some guys put in incredible work in the summertime, and as a result, come in at, at camp and look different for the better. And some. If you don't put in that work, it usually is is fairly glaring when you get into camp, too. It is. And where we saw a huge leap last year was in some of those younger players who had that head start over in Europe to begin in last fall when a lot of stuff wasn't going on in North America. And so coming into camp, I mean, that really highlighted who was working their tail off under terrible circumstances and who wasn't uh, spending as much time in the gym or whatever the case may have been. But I would not be willing to rule out the possibility of Evan Bouchard starting on the second defensive pairing alongside Duncan Keith to begin this season. I think a lot of people probably have Bouchard penciled into your third. Maybe keep his minutes capped around, I don't know, 10, 11. Play him alongside Cuckoo Russell, someone super responsible, and let him grow. And it might well be that case. But I can also see, given who he would be playing with on that second pair, that if Bouchard comes in and has had another summer like he did last year, he may well win that job and beat out Cody Cece as that second pairing guy. Yeah, that and that's yeah. Evan Bouchard to me is is going to be fascinating. I can't wait to watch camp and the preseason to see where he fits in and the fact that he's going to get more opportunity this year. I mean, let's be honest, he'll get far more opportunity this season than last and his progression i i just see a lot there i see a defenseman that not only has that booming shot from the point but just has the low panic threshold when he Mm -hmm. when he gets the puck whether it's in his end the opposition end just makes a smart play more often than not easy play because he he doesn't get it in panic and a lot of young defensemen that's something you have to fight against because you don't want to make that mistake you Mm -hmm. don't want to be sitting there and and had a giveaway that led to a chance or led to a goal but he just plays it so calm uh, I I can't wait to see him play because I think he's going to be a, a solid defenseman. And I did mention yesterday as well that I think that they're at the point with his development curve that he just needs to play. He needs to have the long enough leash to play through mistakes whether yes. that's on this you know and maybe for that reason you do play him on that third pair because it's going to be less stressful or less important situations out there. You can shelter him a little bit in that sense but if he earns that ice time Give it to him, 100%. We have things lit up here on the phone board. All of a sudden, 
Really? You want to talk to us? Of course you do. That's awesome. Alex is on line number one. You are on with Brendan and Cam. Alex, how's it going today? Really good. How are you doing, guys? Excellent. You got a question for us? I do. Um, I'm obviously stoked to uh, see how the Oilers are going to do this year. I think they're loaded, this team. And I don't think they're getting any love on uh, a goalie again, even though Smith had a great year last year. And Koskinen, I know he had some really bad starts, but I tell you, and I heard the shots from that Philadelphia guy about our goaltender. But anyway, <laughs> my, top, uh, my question is, uh, who is going to be the top scoring winger? Obviously, let's not count uh, Drysaddle in there because he's going to play center. Yeah. So uh, anyway, and I want to hear uh, why. All right. Uh, thanks for the call, Alex. Absolutely. So this is this is a good one, and you got to remember that while he's not a fresh, shiny new toy, that Ryan Nugent Hopkins still has a lot of potential cam to produce some pretty gaudy numbers on this team. He'll be on what should be one of the best power play units in the game again. That'll help. But where they really want it to shine again is five on five. And I think that a, a full season worth of knowing that he's playing with Leon Dreisaitl, I really, you know, to me... I guess you can't project that too, too far down the road because Hyman could theoretically be your second line left winger, but that I'm looking at the left wing. I'm 100% looking at the left wing and I'm thinking that if Hyman doesn't pop for, you know, 50 points this year, let's say, which I think is reasonable, if he gets 20 goals, 30 helpers for Zach Hyman, I think that he's come over here and done pretty well what they expected of him on the score sheet. But 50 points to me would be a down year for Ryan Nugent Hopkins at 28. So for that reason, it might not be the exciting answer, Alex, but I, I do think that RNH is probably your top scoring winger in a perfect world this season. What about you, Cam? I loved Alex's optimism and enthusiasm. So yes. Alex, thank you, first of all, for that. And the like, just I think of the power play time that uh, Ryan Nugent Hopkins gets. And because of that opportunity, and I think he's going to have a very good season, uh, contract stuff's all taken care of doesn't have to worry about any of that he's settled in here so that you know last season that that was always it was always there and i i have to think it had to be a little bit of a distraction now that's out of the way because he's on the power play and because he has the skill set that he does to me that would be your your odds on favorite for top scoring winger i would suggest that and don't forget i mean yes he only had 35 points in 52 games last year but kyler yamamoto wasn't all that productive on that uh, second line either and if you rewind the year before that to 2019 2020 when that line was clicking 61 points for nuge in 65 games that was just eight off of his career high over the course of a full season but 61 points in 65 games a lot of that was bolstered by the power play but you want to talk top score winger I think that uh, that's your answer right there as he enters my goodness what is ninth year as an assistant captain an alternate captain for this franchise he'll uh, he'll end up with that number retired if he sees this contract through without a doubt also on the River Cree Resort Casino hotline waiting patiently is Darren Darren you're on with Brendan and Cam what's your question today hey guys how you doing excellent thank you what's on um, your mind I don't really have so much as a question I, I'm I'm and First off, I think Dave Tibbetts a great coach, but um, my concern, and I've been saying it all along, when RNH, Leon, and Yamamoto were together, they were crudely, debatably, the best line in hockey. Mm -hmm. If not best line in hockey, they were top three. So, um, and then they went away from it because they're pulling dry off and putting them with Connor, and I get that, you know, that whole thing. But I think this year you say, okay, guys, 
Leon, R&H, Yamamoto, you guys are a line, and we are going to ride you. They obviously have chemistry. They've proved it. So even they kind of even abandoned it in the playoffs when when it happened. And I just think, you know, he's a sophomore, so there may be a little bit of a sophomore jinx there too. But I would say put that line together and say, you guys are together. You are the number two line. And try and fit people in with Connor because that's a lot easier job uh, I think, especially, like I said, they were the best line in hockey. They were dominating every night, and I don't see why they abandon it. It just doesn't make any sense to me whatsoever. Yeah, I appreciate the call, Darren, very much. And and I agree with you, and I think that a big part of, of why this offseason was so important, and I wonder your thoughts on this, Cam, as well, is because the way that they've actually been able to structure the depth of that forward core when you've got Hyman fulfilling that top-line left-wing role, now you don't have to do as much of that shuffling to try and spark that offensive production on the fly or deploy the right person for a face-off in the right area of the ice, which is going to just naturally pull guys out of, of where they would have been playing in the lineup at that particular moment. So if you can get more consistent production without having to pair up McDavid and Dreisaitl, then you won't have to take Dreisaitl away from the other two and take away their scoring opportunities or their potential for offense in that sense so adding Hyman is great but adding Warren Fogle having Ryan McLeod emerge these are all very crucial in having that second line perform to its top potential that's how I see it it gives the coaching staff that and what I'm saying what gives the coaching staff is that depth adding Hyman Fogle it gives you more on that left side that you don't have to move Nugent Hopkins between lines yes. or have to take Leon Dreisaitl and put him over on the left side. It, it gives you an opportunity as a coaching staff to keep those three together and to really see what you have and if you're happy with it. And if you're not, you're not. Then you're going to restructure things. And that could happen in the middle of a game and then maybe for the rest of that game, that's the way it is, but then you'll go back to it or maybe you change it all together. But it gives you that opportunity, having that depth, to get a really good look at it, mm -hmm. as opposed to being in a game that you're down 3-2, and we need to, as a coaching staff, you're saying we need to uh, get goal-scoring opportunities. We have to create offense. We're only getting it from you know three guys or four guys that are, are creating so we need to put them together right now because that's what we have to do mm -hmm. in the here and now of a 3-2 deficit but when you have that depth it just gives you so many more options and it makes it so much easier so Zach Hyman Warren Fogle to me are, are going to make a, a huge difference and going to make it easier for everybody up front uh, if they perform to the level we think they can it is really going to help out and Darren we will get a chance I think to see that line a little more extended and I do agree with Darren's point that it has been almost too quick in the past to pull the shoot and and resort to putting those two big horses together you know in order for for that knockout punch and in certain circumstances I think that's fine and others I think it was um, probably the only option in a bag of tricks that because of the roster construction, there there wasn't a deep bag of tricks. There, it was We know this kind of was a one-trick pony of a team for a while, and it may have cost you know Todd McClellan a job at some point. It may have, you know, I don't know. That's, that's obviously, there's a lot of moving factors that would go into something like that, but when, when you've got the coach who has at his disposal the actual tools to implement what he's seeing on the ice, and then the guys can go and execute it. 
now you're talking. And I think that there was a disconnect between the ability of the players rostered to execute and what was actually being preached to the team. Yeah. And when you're coaching in the here and now, in the heat of a game, and you're down, you need to create something. Uh, so then you're going to go with whoever's going right now. Not who's been good the last whatever. It's who's playing well in this game today because we need to get something going here in the last seven minutes of the third period or whatever it may be. we got uh, time for one more call here. We've had Bruce waiting uh, idly by. Appreciate you taking the time today, Bruce. And as I can figure out how to put you on air, can I do that? Yeah, I think. Oh. Hey, hey, Bruce, how's it going today? <laughs> I'm 90-10 for the good. How are you? Hey, right on. I, I would put myself at about 95 to 5. It's uh, it's a Friday afternoon, my friend. What's on your mind? Um, well, firstly, um, I got to say, I am tickled. I was so excited to find out that Duncan Keith is coming aboard that it's indescribable. My two favorite teams are the Oilers and the Hawks, and the Hawks, are kind of coming apart at the seams and yeah i'm i'm elated um but my question i had was i don't know if you'll be able to answer this i i had astrazeneca first and pfizer second do you know if that's going to count as vaccinated to go to a game Yes, my understanding is that regardless of the mixing of the doses there is, as long as you've got two of them that are both certified by the government of Canada, that is more than acceptable to get in the front door. You betcha. Brilliant. I know it's not acceptable for traveling abroad to a lot of places, so I just wanted to clarify. I appreciate that. Thanks, gentlemen. Yeah, absolutely, Bruce. You have a great afternoon. Uh, that is, you know, there's not a lot of certainty going on around that COVID situation right now. Uh, I, I would only imagine that at some point we're going to know about you as a fan with your ticket. Where do you line up if you've got either a negative test to present or or where do you present your proof of vaccination? Either one of those things. Like, those are the logistics will get worked out. But I am 100% certain that if you have a mix of two of the shots, as long as they're both, you know, Health Canada certified. Yeah. And frankly, I don't know where, what veterinarian or whatever you would have gone to to get one that wasn't certified. <laughs> Good point. <laughs> you should be fine to get in the front door with papers or an electronic record. Your choice. Sure. I look forward to Bruce coming to games this year. That's that's excellent. Absolutely. Uh, okay, appreciate your calls and your contributions. We do have some text that we'll get to when we come back after one last time out here on the Friday edition of Oilers Now. Starting at shooting guard for your 1998 Chicago Bulls, number 23 from North Carolina. <laughs> nah, it's kind of our last dance, though, so we figured we better break out the Alan Parsons project. At least my last dance here in the hosting chair. Only a couple of minutes left. Appreciate you hanging out uh, for the last three weeks here on Oilers Now. Let's go to this day in Oilers history. It's brought to you by New West Travel, September 17th. Travel a, a private WestJet charter round trip to Vancouver with an open bar just $1.99. Details at newwesttravel.com. Kind of a significant one today. 1992, the Oilers flip Vincent Damfus in a fourth-round draft pick to Montreal for Shane Corson, Brent Gilchrist, and Vladimir Vujtek. Corson played three seasons here in Edmonton. He put up 137 points across 192 games. Not bad production, but you'll remember he was named captain in January of 1995 by head coach George Burnett, 
and then was later stripped of that captaincy just three months actually thereafter. He would go on with Corson to sign with St. Louis later that 1995 offseason, and the Oilers, as a result, received the rights to Curtis Joseph. So, uh, how's about that for a big, I don't even know what you call it. That's not really full circle, I guess, but they did get a quality player. Corson was Corson was definitely a significant NHL player through that era, but maybe sure. didn't reach the full potential. Is that sort of a fair thing to say about him? I always thought he was pretty good, but Cujo coming here was, yeah, that was, that was big. That series with Dallas and then the next year with Colorado. Oh, my. The <laughs> overtime with Dallas. Yes. Unreal. Todd Marchand. Yeah. That's <sighs> great. We'll get back there. We'll get back to happy times. I am, you know, there's people that text throughout the course of these these couple of weeks, and and it's a lot of frustration, and duly so. I mean, the, the Oilers fans have had a tough go of things, and it looked like there was sort of a ray of sunshine 2017-18, and then a couple of steps backwards, right? But this... This is the off-season of change. This is the off-season of roster construction where they didn't have the flexibility that they did this year. Uh, you know, this is... We haven't, in my opinion, seen work like this gone into producing a, a winnable, right now, team. This isn't winning in five years. Well, I mean, yeah. But especially right now. You know, this team, I think, is looking like they can compete in the Pacific, I think, by... Next year, you're you're probably going to be talking about them competing for a division title, not just you know the runner-up to Vegas, for example. Which, you know, may, that might happen this year, but it might not. Bottom line is, though, the trajectory of this Oilers squad is as good as it's been in, in decades, the way I see it. And you'd love to see just some playoff success, whatever is you get passed around and and get the ball rolling and you never know where that can go and we saw it with the Montreal this year they got past that first round with Toronto and then started the roll and rolled themselves to the final or you know outmatched certainly in the final but once you get it going it's you never know what can happen so yeah I would I'd love to see that can't wait for the season there there has to be I, I would think high optimism among fans given the moves that were made uh, to me, the team's improved, and I look forward to it get to get started here. Yeah, you know what? Cautious optimism is what I would preach to you at this yeah. point. I understand why your reservations are there, but I really believe. And you know, I was walking outside Rogers' place last night. I got a buddy in town, you know, just kind of showing him the lay of the land and to to picture what that place is going to look like with bodies lining the streets underneath Ford Hall, out back there where they're going to have the viewing parties and that sort of thing in that in that uh, square. In the ice district like this is a fun time to be an Oilers fan and it starts well it started the day that <clears throat> Connor McDavid fell to them in the lottery but <laughs> True. here we are yeah. years through some of the mud that had to be traversed and we're ready to rock and roll with a great season of hockey. Again, I, I hope we did a good enough job keeping you entertained in the last three weeks. Phil and Bob Stoffers, big shoes. He's back on Monday. And again, we're, we're going right into coaching week. We'll talk about the journey and the art of coaching with several high-level guests to speak about it. Tonight on 6.30 Chat, it's Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. You will hear from Elks President and CEO Chris Presson, Elks play-by-play -play voice Morley Scott, and former Oilers goaltender, assistant coach, and head coach, Ron Lowe. 
Cam, can't thank you enough for spending time with me. It's been a blast. Hey, thanks for having me on. Love it. Pleasure is all mine. Up next, a global news weather traffic update with Kevin Roberts and then Rob Breckenridge from 2 to 3. Kaylin's got 6.30 Chad afternoons right after that. Brendan Escott here. Hey, thanks again for listening. We'll connect soon. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio. 6.30 Chad.